Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Delighted to have Carol with us. For those of you who are just joining us who have not heard Caregiver SOS on air before, we deal with all kinds of issues that involve responsibilities, duties, obligations, and problems that caregivers face. And we're going to press right on because we have limited time. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And Carol, it's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy we've got Dr. Michael and Molly joining us today. Um, I don't know anybody who can articulate more clearly uh, issues that are COVID related. Uh, and he has kept all of us at WellMed sort of in the know and on track. And um, just really happy to have him join us to talk about the Delta variant. He earned his medical degree from the Boston University School of Medicine in Boston, completed his internal medicine internship and residency at the University of Washington, Seattle. He covered both coasts that way and completed his cardiology fellowship at Wilford Hall and Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio. So, Dr. Amali, we thank you so much for coming on for WellMed, where you have headed up the cardiology program and uh, you are our go-to person on vaccines. Uh, did you miss the meeting where they picked you to do that, or is that something you wanted guess, to do? <laughs> no, I guess I missed that meeting. Um, no, it was <laughs> it was a very rewarding uh, experience to be able to uh, vaccinate as many uh, individuals as we were able to. We had a really um, uh, we had an amazing team, and uh, I'm just I was um, um, just overwhelmed with how uh, how how amazing everybody was in stepping up um, and um, taking on that uh, really challenging project. But we were able to uh, give out over 300,000 vaccinations um, over the course of a few months and and I think did some amazing things for our our employees and our patients and members of the community. 300,000 is a big number. That's a lot of disposable needles you had to get rid of. That is. I don't know. There. I'm. I'm. I'm hoping they did it properly. I didn't check. I'm. I'm assuming that our <laughs> incredibly uh, knowledgeable um, uh, team of nurses that, that helped create uh, our, our uh, operating procedures knew exactly what to do with all those needles. But yes, it was. It was. It was an amazing accomplishment. I think for all of us, not just uh, not just well med, but for the community as well. Now, like well, a lot of people, we, we've been floating along on the idea that things are going great, that COVID-19 uh, is sort of slowing down, that everybody's good. And then all of a sudden, boom, we're hit with the Delta variant. And uh, someone said to me, there's another one coming from Brazil. Uh, give us an update and how worried should we be? Okay. So, you know, there's, there's always, so let's first talk about variants because, um, you know, variants are expected. They're, they're not, it's not a surprise when this happens. We know that viruses mutate. We have known from day one um, of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic that there were going to be variants. I mean, we, we may not have been calling them variants and assigning letters of the alphabet or Greek letters to them, but we know that viruses mutate. And we know uh, very clearly how quickly this virus uh, mutates. And it's actually not a super fast mutating virus, but 
you know, there are seven and a half, eight billion people on the planet and, and uh, a tremendous number of those individuals have, have been infected and, and we all have served as, you know, all the people that have been infected have served as a source for replication for this virus. And so the virus has literally mutated billions upon billions upon billions of times and so or or replicated excuse me billions of times and under and after all of those billions of replications mutations are going to occur and that's what happens is you know the vast majority of mutations are either uh, nonsense or null mutations or they don't really affect the virus in one way or another a lot of them are are detrimental to the success of the virus but every once in a while as we knew would happen there are there are mutations that can occur that make the virus a little bit more successful just by random chance alone. And so variants are not unexpected and they'll continue to be variants. At some point we have to think that we've seen most of the mutations that, um, most of the mutations that are possibly going to be um, deleterious in terms of um, this virus spreading and getting people sick, um, but, you know, right now um, um, we have the Delta variant that we're dealing with and a couple of other ones. So why don't we just talk about those? Well, let me ask you a question. You know, what we talked about the 300,000 vaccinations that, you know, our, our medical group and our team helped provide, you know, it, when, when you see the spread of the Delta variant, um, you know, is this disheartening to you? Because it's disheartening to a lot of people listening to the show. Um, you know, uh, yes, of course it is. Um, you know, I, I, I have to approach this that I don't think this is our first significant variant. I think I was very concerned about the beta variant when that one was starting to pick up you know, a little steam, but it never really, it, it never really came to be a big problem in this country. And then Delta has come and I've been very concerned about Delta as well. And I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, the next variant as well. There's, I'm almost certainly going to be another one that comes at some point in the future, whether it's in 2021 or 2022, but I'm not surprised. And so I'm, you know, I'm disappointed and concerned, but these, these, you know, variants don't surprise me. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerny, and we're talking with Dr. Michael Amali, uh, who is a well-med uh, physician. He heads up the cardiology program as well as the specialist in health and he has headed up the vaccine awareness campaign at WellMed, and we're delighted to have this opportunity, Michael, to get more details. And Carol, you had a question? Well, I was going to say, let's break down, let's talk about the Delta variant, what's going on now, and maybe you, you could tell us then why we feel like there's so much confusing and conflicting information coming out about what we should do to stay safe. Absolutely. Okay. So the Delta variant um, is also called B1617.2. Um, and this variant started to become significant in this country back in May. Um, but at that point in May, we had a very small number of people that were infected by the Delta variant. But we've seen a steady increase. Uh, and now in the you know early to mid parts of August, uh, we see that the Delta variant makes up more than 80% of all cases in the United States. Um, and the reason why is because it is significantly more infectious than other variants that we have seen. So the virus is more efficient um, at uh, being transmitted from one individual to another. Uh, we're seeing viral loads, the amount of virus that an individual can have can be greater with the Delta variant. Um, and the 
amount of the number of people that one individual can affect or can infect um, is significantly greater with Delta than it was with our original, um, or we'll call that the ancestral strain of SARS-CoV-2. So the ancestral strain of SARS-CoV-2, in general, it affected or infected about two and a half people or so for every individual that got sick. So for instance, if you got sick with SARS-CoV-2 back at the beginning of the pandemic, on average, you were likely to infect about two and a half other people. The Delta variant is more infectious. And so the average person that gets infected with SARS-CoV-2 now and is infected with Delta is more likely to infect five, six, seven other people. So significantly more uh, easily transmitted than our ancestral strain. Um, it is also concerning that um, while we know that vaccination reduces your risk significantly of being infected with the Delta variant, um, it's not 100%. We never claimed or never were hopeful that any of the vaccines would be 100% effective at preventing transmission. And we see that there are these breakthrough cases. And what we know is that in the individuals who have these breakthrough cases, while they are significantly less likely to get very sick, to be hospitalized, and most importantly, to die, they're very much less likely to, to have those bad outcomes they still may generate a significant viral load, a high number of viruses in their body. And therefore it is possible that they may be infectious to others, despite the fact that they are themselves less likely to get seriously ill. So the vaccines still work and they're still very effective and especially effective at preventing our biggest concern, which is that people get in the hospital, they have to be put on breathing machines, and then they ultimate die, ultimately die. That's our big concern, what we're trying to prevent. The vaccines are very effective at preventing those serious consequences, but we still may see people get sick. They still may pass it on, especially if they have the Delta variant. And then as you talk about that, uh, off and on in the news, uh, there are uh, some speculation about those of us who have been vaccinated uh, after six months or so, we may need a booster shot. And uh, I know I asked you this question by text a couple of weeks ago, and you said, not yet. What do you think? So I try, uh, I try not to speculate, but of course we all have our opinions. Um, honestly, the truth is uh, speculation is not a good thing in science, right? It's good to come up with hypotheses and test those hypotheses, but my opinion of what's going to happen in terms of boosters really doesn't matter until we have some data to show number one that boosters are needed and number two that boosters are going to be effective and the question comes well what kind of booster are we talking about truly a booster which is the same shot that we got originally or are we talking about an enhanced vaccination process where we are now administering um, a slightly modified vaccine that maybe has more efficacy against the current strains of the virus that are in uh, that, that are in our communities. So those are kind of two different things. And so we have to first identify which one of those strategies is going to be best. And then the question is, well, who would get a booster? And then the question is, well, when would they get a booster? And all those questions really need to be answered. I speculate based on the science that I see that most likely if and when boosters are going to be offered, that we will first be offering them to the highest risk individuals 
that have already been vac vaccinated. And when I say that, I mean that there are some individuals who are less likely to have generated a robust immune response at all. And that would be our elderly population and our immunocompromised population. And those two groups are who we are most likely uh, going to offer boosters or uh, a enhanced viral uh, vaccine product at some point when the time does come that that's necessary. But you know, there's studies that are ongoing. We're looking to see both in a test tube and also in real life when boosters may or may not be necessary and what type of boosters would be necessary when those would, would occur. And we just don't know the answer to that yet. Um, I suspect that in the coming months, we'll have a little bit better of an idea, um, but it's really important on both sides that um, you know we follow the science. And I have some people saying to me, asking the same thing you did, which is, why don't we have a booster yet? And then the other people, you know, the, the same day will ask me, well, why would I ever have to get a booster? And the answer is on both of those sides. We don't have information yet. All right, stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel, our co-host, talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Dr. Michael Amali. And we're talking about COVID-19 and vaccines. And we're going to continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Dr. Michael Amali on the Caregiver SOS On Air hotline about vaccinations, COVID-19, talking about mutations and where we are. We were talking about boosters, and uh, I have to ask you a question, Dr. Amali. Someone said to me, well, why not just go get another shot? No one will know, and maybe that'll help. Yeah, so um, I mean, I've had that same question asked to me, and, and there's many reasons why I would say don't do that. Um, number one, uh, um, you know, because it's not authorized. In other words, we haven't studied it enough to know if it's safe, if it's efficacious. Um, what if we have a new, what if there's a new booster slash, you know, enhanced vaccination uh, product that comes out in six weeks or eight weeks and you just got a booster and now maybe you can't get this one because you snuck in and got a booster illegally. Um, also, you know, this is tracked and, and depending on the location that you live or in the state that you live, um, uh, you know, it's tracked generally by the state. And so if I was going to administer a vaccine to you, um, before I give you that shot, I'm going to look you up in the state database and I'm going to see that you already were administered a vaccine. Um, you know, it's the same reason why I would say if you have antibiotics in your medicine cabinet and you're not feeling well, don't go rogue and take your own antibiotics and skip the doctoring process. Um, it's you know important that we follow the science. The science up until now has really led us uh, in the right path. And um, I don't suggest that people at all um, try to, to you know, be a renegade and take science into their own hands. It's, it's never the right idea. 
Well, I, you know, I think that's really good advice for all of us, but there are a lot of people, um, a lot of caregivers listening and they're confused. They, they are trying to follow the science and they hear wear a mask, don't wear a mask, my vaccinations will protect you, people are getting breakthroughs. Can you help sort out sort of this Absolutely. mishmash of information? Okay, so let's break that down because I think those are really important questions. So the most important thing that a person can do right now to protect themselves from viral infection and especially from getting very sick from that same virus is to get vaccinated. The benefit to vaccination far, far, far outweighs the risk by orders of magnitude, 100,000, 10,000 times the benefit outweighs the risk. The risk of these vaccines are extremely small and the benefit is I can't, I can't overstate the benefit to the vaccine. Um, over 95% of all individuals who are in the hospital with COVID-19 have been unvaccinated and 99% of individuals who die have been unvaccinated. So we are not seeing significant illness in the people that are vaccinated with rare, rare, rare exceptions. Now, unfortunately, when those rare, rare, rare exceptions occur, everybody hears about it. But no one really talks about the millions upon millions upon millions of people that are not getting infected again and or are not going into the hospital who have been vaccinated. In fact, I saw um, a statistic I, that said 99.9% of those who have been vaccinated do not have breakthrough infections. That's absolutely correct. But we don't hear about this, right? We don't. No one's publishing a report about the guy next door who didn't get a breakthrough infection. It's always the other way around. So that's one thing. The, what, you know, the overall take-home message there is get vaccinated. The science supports it, and it's not even close. There is no, you know, let's put away our conspiracy theories. Let's stop reading about this stuff on Twitter or Facebook, and let's follow the science. Let's follow the CDC and your healthcare professionals, number one. Number two, if you're living in an area that has current high COVID transmission, and that is available on the CDC website, and it's very easy to find. But, you know, to, to spoil that story, most of us, within the sound of my voice right now, are living in one of those areas. The CDC is now recommending that we wear masks in indoor settings, regardless of your vaccination status, while we're in this current wave. And this current wave is very big. This current wave may be driven by the unvaccinated, but as we mentioned, vaccinated individuals can have breakthrough cases and they may transmit that infection and potentially to those people who are immunocompromised, elderly, unvaccinated for whatever reason. And the best thing that we as a community, as a society can do is reduce the number of people that the virus can infect so we can reduce the number of mutations that can occur and prevent further outbreaks and further variants from occurring. So masking may be required again somewhere down the line. We are constantly reevaluating risk and transmission rates and making masking recommendations based on current risk and transmission. There is nothing about masking right now indoors in the state of Texas or the state of Florida that suggests that vaccination doesn't work, right? Your brakes work in your car but your seatbelt also may need to be worn, right? So we have double safety measures 
when we're especially in areas of high risk. And right now, there's so much COVID out there, mostly being spread by our unvaccinated community, that it is the safest thing to be wearing masks in these high-risk settings, even if you're vaccinated. That's it a great analogy. That's a wonderful analogy. You've got brakes in the car, but you also wear a seatbelt. Now, let's talk about... Came up with that one on the fly there, Ron. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. For younger people, we, we have young kids in our family, uh, twin boys who are nine, little girl is about to be 10. Uh, boys are eight, rather. The little girl's going to be 10 soon. When can they be vaccinated? Yeah. So I don't, you know, very similar to the booster question, we need to wait for FDA authorization and or you know, subsequent approval for our younger age groups. Clearly, from the beginning, vaccines have been or are being studied. And, you know, we have a very specific um, sequence of events that occur when we study vaccines. And generally, we study them in older populations first and then in younger populations. And that is the sequence of events that have occurred with our current vaccines. But, you know, make no mistake about it. These vaccines are being studied in younger individuals, in individuals right now between the ages of five and 11. Um, for the Pfizer vaccine and in all younger age groups uh, for our other vaccines as well. And so I expect that we will have published, uh, and there's already some published data, but we will expect we have, we'll have larger amounts of published data that result in FDA um, authorization in the very near future. My suspicion is somewhere um, late fall, um, early winter. Now, is the concern that the vaccine uh, wouldn't be as effective with children or uh, what would be the issue? No, I suspect that the vaccine will be very effective for children um, and for, you know, for teenagers. And when I'm talking there about the two vaccines that are not yet authorized for, for teenagers. Um, this is generally the process for most vaccinations and most medical treatments as well, is that we, you know, as a, as a medical community, we, we, we um, you know, are, are a little bit more concerned about, and I think rightfully so, about giving medications to our younger individuals. They have a longer life. We want to know a little bit more about you know, how something may affect them later on. And also, you know, that we're, we're you know, we're making decisions for them. So I think that it's a, a good thing that we are cautious before authorizing vaccines for kids. And, and that's, you know, exactly what we're doing. The other thing is, I think that there's a very large segment of our population that has grown and is an anti-vaccination, uh, you know, they have anti-vaccination opinions. And it's really important um, that we have a lot of data before vaccinating younger individuals because um, we don't want information to get in the wrong hands and perpetuate some of the misinformation um, that our anti-vaccination uh, proponents uh, would like to propagate. And I think that's really important. Yeah, you I looked like just, you were thinking of something. I, w I was thinking of something. You know, I'm 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 wondering about um, you know the family caregivers who are at home. You know, they've got someone who may be have a very you know a chronic illness. They may have cancer. They may have Alzheimer's. Um, so, is there anything special you would say to someone who is caring for a loved one at home right now? Yeah, I would say it's especially important for you to get vaccinated. And it's really important for your loved one to get vaccinated as well. Those individuals that are at home, that are elderly, that are immunocompromised, that are having a hard time caring for themselves, those individuals are much more likely to get infected and very sick um, should they be exposed to SARS-CoV-2 if they're not vaccinated. And the Delta variant 
there's good data now to suggest that they're more likely to get seriously ill as well. So the Delta variant, there's data that the Delta variant may result in more significant illness than our original ancestral strain of SARS-CoV-2. And that's a little bit unusual. Like if you look in general at viruses and how they mutate, uh, generally mutations have occurred in the past and that um, result, and I'm talking not about SARS-CoV-2, but other, uh, other viruses, that, that result in a less virulent or a, 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 a virus that causes less significant illness. That's actually in the, in the virus's best interest to not kill off its host or put its host into isolation, right? The virus is most successful if you are mildly infected and you go out to a restaurant or a bar and, and spread it to a bunch of other people. But in this case, actually, not only is Delta more infectious, but it also is likely resulting in, to some degree, more severe disease. And so now more than ever, getting yourself vaccinated if you have loved ones that are at risk, and also getting those loved ones vaccinated as well. And there are ways to, to get your loved ones, even if they're not very ambulatory and they're, they're bound at home, there are ways to get them vaccinated. It's, it's relatively easy. Yeah, I think that's an important point. A lot of people may not realize that uh, most communities are setting up ways to vaccinate people who are homebound. Absolutely. That's a really good point. We are flat out of time. Dr. Michael O'Malley, thank you. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you all for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.